0: and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Hello,
1: hello, hello. How's it going?
0: My God, how are you? How are things? I just had my four month quarantine anniversary. Nice. Very exciting. How are you doing?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm doing well, you know, just hanging out, doing normal guy stuff, watching a chess tournament, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm
0: very um typical alpha male behavior from Eric as per usual That's
1: what I tell people. You know what? Yeah. I'm just a I'm just a regular guy. That's yeah. that's my whole thing. I'm just a regular guy. I had a 2-hour conversation with my dad watching a chess tournament. That kind of stuff, you know. Regular guy stuff.
0: See, now that is great hearing you had a 2-hour long conversation with your dad cuz I know that you know, not to stereotype dads, But usually, a conversation uh, with a dad type figure on a phone is, "How are you? Let me go get your mother."
1: Yeah, well, it it is. You know, it uh, it was a special phone call because yesterday was my father's birthday. So, you know, it's his birthday. It's July fourth. It's a whole holiday Mm -hmm. thing. And also, whenever me and my dad talk, we just argue about politics a lot so oh. <laughs> we got you know we got the, we got all these different dynamics going so we just and you know we're southern so we none of us know how to stop talking so we just you know it's it's like sitting on a porch just uh you know john about
0: uh remember sitting on porches
1: oh my god doing great it. last last night at like 3 a.m because i'm on an overnight schedule and so i'm you know even on my days off i try to keep that as much as i can and so at like three am, I just went and sat on my stoop. I was just like, yeah. I, need to, I need to be outside.
0: I was also sitting on a stoop last night waiting for a car. But yeah, it was very nice. It was like ninety degrees here in New York City yesterday. but at night mm-hmm. it was it was the perfect temperature to be sitting outside. It had That's just rained. It was beautiful. Very,
1: very nice. It was very and people were inside. Nobody was shooting fireworks because it just <laughs> rained. Yeah, so yeah. it's very calm very A rare chill.
0: reprieve here in new york city from fireworks uh has your work indicated when you guys are going to have to go back or are they just like you guys are work from home indefinitely at this point so
1: they have not actually told us that we're in it, it's basically in, you know indefinite It was just like you know uh new york city has certain rules about who can reopen and it was basically like well technically we could, but there's no reason to. So we're not going to like force anybody to come in. Yeah.
0: I had a friend yesterday who uh, she's not back at work because she's not, you know, one of the essential industry people, but she had to be on the subway for the first time again in four months. And she, her texts were so funny. She went from like almost jazzed, to be taking the subway again. Like, oh my God, I haven't done it in four months. 20 minutes later, she was like, fuck the subway. All my trains are delayed. How is it still this bad? And my other friend was like, but isn't it clean now? And she's like, I don't give a shit. Where the fuck is the A train?
1: Yeah. How is how is your train system delayed when like a third of the people are taking it now?
0: Exactly. Like, what the fuck? You guys can't even do this, right? My God. My God. My. Uh, yeah, but New York City, it started to open back up a little bit. Although... We were supposed to have like indoor dining back and then immediately de Blasio was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm deleting it. Uh, (laughs) And now that's that's been ruled out. Have you seen they've started to put up like particle board dividers uh, for outside dining? So it's almost like you're eating in little cubicles. I love
1: when I go to a restaurant and it's exactly like being at work. That's like <laughs> my favorite thing.
0: See, I disagree a little bit. I like the <laughs> brunch cubicles. You have a little bit of privacy. You're in a nook. You can still see the street. You can still see <laughs> outside, but I don't have to like look at my neighbors as they eat. I like it. I'm into it.
1: It's not bad. I, I, I did the one. <laughs> I I will say the one picture i saw like that somebody shared in our work slack and i the first thing i noticed was how weird it was but it was but my first the first thing that drew my attention was that they were eating out of westville and i was like (laughs) you wanted to go out to eat so bad for westville come on
0: listen people are acting foolish they're going stir crazy they're making weird decisions I, you know, I am on the dating apps, and uh, so many times I have had to tell various gentlemen, "No, we can't go to a bar. <laughs> no, we can't go inside." So, what is wrong with you? Have you not noticed the pandemic unfolding around you? And they're really, always like, "Oh yeah."
1: <laughs> really, really figuring out which guys don't have moves. They just, there's always like, "You want to go to a bar?" Like, no. No, like, and oh, then he's like, "Well, uh, I'm out. Uh, That's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's exactly. all I
0: had." Good day to you, madam.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's so weird. I was just telling somebody else. It was like... It's so... I don't know. I just... uh, And I've said it on the show. I feel very strange. It's a very strange time for me because I've been able... Like, my job has not changed at all. The only change is that I just don't go in the office. But my job has not changed at all. And in fact, like, I'm thriving. Like, uh, this is... Like, uh, this has been probably... Financially, the best year of my life. <laughs> and so, yeah,
0: I mean, we're saving so much money because, like, we don't have to buy monthly Metro cards. Right. You know, for me personally, like, just not going out right. so much has saved me a lot of money. And yeah. I've started to cook more meals at home. Very exciting. So saving money on delivery, yeah, I am thriving right now, which is very weird to say. Right. Uh, it's a okay time the world to be like, is ending around <laughs> us.
1: Yeah, it's a very weird time when people are like, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm great." <laughs> it's like things are going swimmingly. I'm, but the know? thing
0: is, I'm great, but I'm also very bad at the same time because <laughs> it is I, mentally just deteriorating. I feel it every day. Um, and so much badness is happening around us that it's like truly the worst of times. It's just that living in New York city had gotten to a point that it was almost borderline impossible. So the fact that we are now, we don't have to be on the hellish subway every day. We don't have to be spending money in a variety of ways. Suddenly it's like, oh, is this what life is like for everyone who doesn't live in New York city? (laughs) Right. Right. Is this yeah. why you guys aren't pissed off every second of the day, always?
1: Oh, are you not constantly having a panic attack? Weird. <laughs> Fearing
0: for your very life, <laughs>
1: always? Like, weird. Wow. Okay, all right. Okay. I get it.
0: Okay. Okay, Indiana. I see you. <laughs> Just Indiana. Just uh, only So while we're in the pop culture section, so two things just happened right before I called you that I wanted to talk about a little bit. Wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm just like, holy shit. So let's start with the heavy one, which is just did you see this story about the car that mowed down two Seattle protesters?
1: Uh, I am a very stupid person and I watched the video last night. Uh, well, I didn't mean to watch it. What happened is I saw somebody tweet that it had happened. And so I searched, not, I didn't try to search for the video. I was just trying to see what was going on. Yeah. And so I Twitter searched just like Seattle car thinking there might be tweets, thinking there might be a news story. And the first thing that came up was an autoplay video of it happening and i was just like well i guess i'm watching i mean i have to watch a lot of bad stuff for my work so it doesn't phase me as much anymore um but i didn't plan on it when i saw it just just through trying to figure out what the hell was going on um it was i i
0: maybe you know more details than i do i don't know anything i know they arrested the driver but i don't think we know anything about like motives or anything like that Um, I know one of the women is in critical condition. It's very bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And apparently he was going very fast. So
1: he he was going very fast. It's hard to tell. I mean, look, I, I don't I don't want what I'm about to say to be construed as any sort of empathy or justification watching the video, it was hard to tell if he, cause the way they had their roadblock set up is that, and I haven't seen them do this before, is that they actually had cars turned sideways on the highway. Mm. Um, it's hard to, because he was going very fast. Yeah. It's hard to tell if his intention was to hit people or his intention was to drive fast to scare them out of the road so he could drive through. It's hard to tell. Because, I mean,
0: either way, Jesus Christ, dude. No, he.
1: Oh, of course. I, I mean, obviously, he's on. He should be liable for everything that happened because you can't just drive like that into a crowd of people. Um, but it, it, like, he like swerves around one of the like parked vehicles that's in the middle of the road, and it's when he comes out on the other side of the car. That he hits somebody, so it's hard to tell like if his plan was. And that I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. Is my point legally? I don't know if that matters to them. I don't know if that's going to affect how he gets charged. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. Obviously, he needs to to you know pay for this because I believe there was one fatality. Um, well, the thing is, I the pit- reason I wanted
0: to bring it up, even though like uh, details are dodgy right now and we don't know like motivations, is they just need to start treating this like attempted manslaughter. You know, I I mean, anybody who drives and this is, of course, not the first time we've seen this. We've seen this many, many times about people who are pissed off at protesters plowing their cars into a group of people. That's attempted murder. Yeah. We have a whole classification vehicular manslaughter because the courts recognize cars can be deadly weapons, you know. Um, and it's not just randos. It's the cops, too. How many times have we seen fucking police yeah. ramming people with police vans and police vehicles? That needs to be attempted murder. That's what it is.
1: There was one in Detroit, maybe. Oh, God, I don't remember the city. I think it was in Detroit. But there was one where the cop because the ones in New York is like they were bad. But there was one in Detroit where the cops started driving off. People were on the hood and he was accelerating. Like, while yeah. people were on his car, you Jesus know. Jesus um,
0: Yeah, but yeah. sorry to get heavy in the pop culture section. I just saw that seconds I saw, before yeah. I called it.
1: It's bad. I, like, I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, it was yeah. really bad. Um, I would not recommend watching it if you're not uh, able to handle that kind of stuff because the video is very graphic. Not, I mean, it's not – you can't – I mean, it's not – you see everything. It's not so close up that it's like, like a gore film or something, but it is very graphic to watch. So I would highly recommend not watching it. Um,
0: also guys, don't post autoplay videos to Twitter. Oh like God, that. I I always so... have like, have a screen that comes up that says like trigger warning, especially if it's like footage like that, but also black people being murdered. Don't put graphic images. Don't put autoplay videos into a feed where black people have to look at that content all day. Cause it, is triggering for them in a way that probably doesn't trigger you in the same way. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, (laughs) the other thing I wanted to talk about, there's a second thing right before we recorded or started recording, I tweeted, this image that I saw yeah. in, I'm still on all of the, and this is the name of the group. I, I recognize it's an offensive uh, term. Yes, yes. But yes. Gypsy Housing is a big New York City Facebook page where people post listings and it's also people looking for apartments who like post their little bios about what they're all about. And I'm just obsessed with it. I'm still following it, even though I, I now have my own place and I don't actually need to <laughs> follow it anymore because some of the listings are just so funny. And, uh, I have a friend, we, we send screenshots back and forth to each other of particularly funny listings, like, you know, literally a closet where someone's asking for $1,400 a month and we'll like go back and forth making fun of it.
1: When I was looking for a place, there was a basement apartment where the ceiling, I'm pretty sure was like five feet high. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Insane. Uh, so there was a listing that went up where uh, somebody screenshot it and circled Mm -hmm. a portion of it because it's this whole post that's like who they're looking for in a roommate. It's like, we're looking for a clean, considerate person who doesn't uh, smoke and abides by careful COVID safety measures. And then it's all this like great stuff like any gender welcome, LGBTQ plus friendly with a little rainbow emoji. Mm -hmm. uh, All very nice. And then in the middle of it, it just says no essential workers. (laughs) That sucks you are a sucky person if you're like lgbtq rainbow 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 nurses go fuck yourselves like how do you write that and not realize you're the worst person in the world
1: it's also so fucked up because anybody that can afford to live in new york (laughs) is like These are probably, like, they probably, I don't know, they probably have some, like, online writing job or something. They probably work for a media company. Oh,
0: Eric, you're so kind to think that they have a job and they're not trust fund kids.
1: I mean, that might be it, too. But, I mean, if they do have a job, it's probably, you know, like you know, it, it, you know, if they're, if they're able to work, it's obviously something work from home because they don't like essential workers. So it's like, Oh, you know, your job at a, you know, a freaking media company or whatever. So it's also insanely classist as well. Um, But yeah, it's just like, you know, I, t- I, th- I tweeted, right. tweeted back at you literally right as you called me and I was just like, yeah, I hate it. I hate it when my roommate has a job during the uh, <laughs> yeah, you worst know, not- economy in the <laughs>
0: grateful they can pay rent yeah it's so <laughs> right? insane to me also i'm sorry it's the end of the fucking world if my roommate is a nurse that is like money to me are you kidding somebody who right. can like take care of you if you get sick or if you get injured like don't you want somebody who has valuable knowledge like that around right. you at, at this moment in time when our society is collapsing around us <laughs>
1: right it, you know it's just like i don't know like if you're really that worried it's just like okay uh we're all gonna get tested for covid before you move in
0: Yeah. great yeah. you're
1: like you know if you're that worried about it go you know get tested that's well fine. i think
0: their thinking is because they go to work every day like what are they going to get tested every time they come back into the apartment that's probably their thinking but it's also like i bet these are the same people who run out onto their balcony and bang pots and pans Right. every evening to support essential workers. And they, they run inside post shit like that and don't see how it's discrimination. It's like yeah. you are discriminating against essential workers at a time when we need them more than ever.
1: <laughs> right. It's just it's so, insane. so, so, so th- some of those ads are just, fr- I mean, just
0: crazy. Wild. But I do, if you are like a person who likes to rubberneck, I highly recommend, especially if you live in New York city, it's, it's like oddly cathartic, to yeah. see some of the postings. Because you can always be like, well, at least I'm not living there.
1: <laughs> right. I, it is funny, too. You mentioned that it has an offensive name. When I first moved to New York, somebody told me to get on that group. Because they were like, it's the biggest like housing sharing group. Yeah. So you got to be on it, kind of. You know, if you're trying to look for housing. And I, the first thing I remember is like, oh, that's, that's kind of a shitty name. And then I yeah. joined it. And literally the first post is like, yes, we know. <laughs> yes, we've heard your complaints, but we're not changing the name.
0: I don't That's understand like, why okay. they refuse to change it. Cause that seems like a really easy fix. <laughs> I guess yeah. they were branding. They're like, well, then they want to know how to find us.
1: Right. You're branding for your Facebook group that doesn't make money or sell a product. I don't
0: know. Uh, yeah. I don't get it at all. But yeah, unfortunately very offensive name, but that is where all of the listings are. <laughs> um, So the reason I'm dancing around recommendations is because, as per usual, I have just been watching Survivor. Yes. I am now, I believe in season 33, so I'm very close to the end. I am moving at a rapid clip. And really my only coherent thought that I wanted to talk about a little bit with you Eric, um, because you don't watch survivor, but I think we can talk about it in sort of like broad themes in a way where you can participate. Uh, So, yeah, you know, the gist, uh, so apparently in the middle of the night, uh, because I have survivor brain now, I opened a, uh, a notes app on my phone and all I wrote was Rupert is Ned Stark. Okay. (laughs) this is very niche. This is for like three people out there. Everybody else Uh is like, huh? What? Who? Okay. One of the most beloved survivor players of all time is this guy named Rupert, who they've brought back for many seasons. He's a very big strapping man, big bushy beard, you know, bellowing. He sounds like a pirate would in 2020, like big bellowing voice. Um, Just a great person very like extremely loyal to a fault and rupert famously never wins survivor because he is so loyal he's so honest that he is very bad at playing the game but he plays it in a way that people really enjoy watching him he's very beloved one of the biggest fan favorites out there
1: I'm looking up Rupert right now. I trust this man with my life.
0: A hundred percent. If I needed someone to come save me in a fire today, I would yes. not call the FDNY. I would call Rupert and I would say, can you get here? Oh my God. Come save me.
1: He's wearing a, uh, he's wearing a little tie dye tank top.
0: He's the best. He's the best. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I, and if you are not familiar with Game of Thrones, Ned Stark is the character uh, played by Sean Bean, who uh, famously—I don't think this is a spoiler at this point—dies um, immediately at the end of season one <laughs>
2: yeah, right.
0: because he is loyal to a fault. He uh, his his ethics end up being his downfall, basically. Yes.
1: But so,
0: go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 oh, I go was
1: gonna—I I was gonna say. I haven't watched the show, but the way you're explaining it, I have an alternate theory. Okay. It might actually be more beneficial to be on multiple seasons of Survivor than win one season.
0: In what sense? Because
1: do you remember every winner of every season of Survivor? This guy's built a brand. Everyone knows who he is. He's been on, they call him back for multiple seasons. I'm assuming he's getting something out of that. Some sort of, well,
0: I would be curious to know because apparently they, the only people who make money on survivor from, from the show survivor are the top three. Okay. So, and the top two make the most money, obviously I think third is something like $15,000, something like that.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, but I would be curious to know how it evens out or how it balances because I know Rupert has gotten some acting work from being on Survivor because when you see him, you're like, this dude should be a character actor. See, um
1: this is what I'm thinking. It's like, this dude is not winning any seasons of Survivor, but by being such a character, everyone knows him, everybody loves him, he's been on multiple seasons, he's building like a brand for himself.
0: But what I'm curious to know is, is it the equivalent of, say he won three Survivors, he would have won three, $3 million before taxes. Right. So however much that is versus how much did he get paid from these acting gigs? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I was more considering like the people that come on, win a season of survivor, but don't come back or like come back for an all-star and lose immediately, you know, sort of flash in the pan survivor winners. Cause there's 33 of them at this point or however many, you know, there's yeah. going to be a couple that fall through the cracks, even though well, they won.
0: I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of someone who won, who didn't, come
1: back eventually i'm just you know what i'm just thinking out loud here i have no idea i have no (laughs) No, no. Uh,
0: good good feedback uh so (laughs) my thinking when i typed this in the middle of the night was Mm. rupert is ned stark where he's this figure who is incredibly ethical so beloved um you know people are so fond of him but ultimately his morality was his downfall which is kind of a bummer But there are also examples of people who win survivor and they do it in a very ethical way. They're extremely rare because ultimately what has to eventually happen in survivor is you have to promise things to various people Mm -hmm. who are in conflict with each other. So it requires lying eventually. Right, Right. So it is almost impossible to get to the end without lying uh, and if you refuse to lie, like Rupert, you get cut pretty early. Um, right. But, yeah, I was just thinking that where I'm like, but then also what's so great about Ned Stark and the Stark family in general is ultimately they win. Yes. But it has to go through, I mean, the most. You know, like people are dying left and right. They lose a lot of people. But ultimately, the I think the message of Game of Thrones is – Ned Stark's legacy wins.
1: Right. It's it's Ned Stark less of a person and more of an idea that right. carries on through the family. And so in, in a way, it's sort of like, yeah, like Ned Stark, the person doesn't win pretty aggressively does not win. Um, but, you know, yeah, what you're saying, it's like his ideas that he passed on to his children and to his whole family, you know, sort of they, they all represent him in this, in this sort of like show that's all about different factions of different morality and different ways of,
0: of living and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was thinking like watching Survivor, I was like, I think Rupert won because he ultimately is, I think the most beloved Survivor player of all time, or maybe one of them, definitely top five. And ultimately, isn't that legacy? And also the fact that, you know, his his. I think he has one kid. He might have multiple kids at this point. You know, someday they'll watch him play the game and be like, dude, our dad's dope. Like he didn't win. But like, what a fucking baller, you know? Yeah. Um, And I'm like, that's kind of awesome that he ultimately wins in his own way.
1: Yeah. And not to get like too deep on it, but that, I mean, that kind of like is a situation that I think most people are presented with in life where I think most people are aware of the fact that if you really like, if you really went ham and just like didn't give a shit, you could probably make a ton of money. But
0: yeah, it's but, that sort of long term game versus short term game. And also, right. like again, not to get too heady about it. But we see this with, like, trading on the stock market all the time, right? Right. There's these guys, these really aggressive traders who make these short-term bets because they can get a shitload of money very quickly. Uh, But ultimately, they tank the entire economy because it's very short-sighted.
1: Right. Yeah. They take the whole economy or just like nobody likes them or you know, <laughs> yeah, like we universally hate them. hated, you know, uh, people put guillotines outside your house. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, so it's sort of like, you know, you have to sort of make that decision of like, do I want to be a good person or do I want to gain financially?
0: And what I'm trying to say ultimately is survivor is about life. And when we watch Survivor, we learn about life. And I'm not even being facetious when I say this. You learn a lot about life watching Survivor. And you also learn about, like, you start to think about, like, how you would play the game if you were on Survivor. Uh, And you like to think you'll be the good person. But, like, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, ah, I think I'd be a duplicitous little shit.
1: Well, it's an interesting game that has been on for so long Mm -hmm. that they've had so much time to explore different things. If you just watch one season you'd be like, "Oh, it's a fun game." And maybe there's like little things that happen, but 33 or however many seasons there are in total, it's like you've got so many people from different walks of life over the span of that show that come on that show, so many different situations they're put into that you really it's almost like you you know, at some point you build a microcosm that sort of that you, there are so many interactions and so many people you build a microcosm it's like building a sim city you know it's like building like there's eventually it just becomes a microcosm of life because you've had so many people interacting in so many ways that it just it, it starts to mirror like what people do in the real world
0: yeah exactly uh so eric do you have any big fourth of july plans
1: no, I'm just, <laughs> as soon as we get done here, I'm going to sleep and then I'm getting up and working probably going to be the worst shift of my entire year.
0: Yeah. So many fireworks complaints, baby. Yep.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad.
0: I am going to a park. We're going to be very uh, smart with social distancing, wearing masks. Okay. Excellent. But yeah, that is, that is my plan. And then finally, uh, because neither of us have anything interesting to say about the 4th of July, I just have a general plea to the public at large. Just let people enjoy Hamilton. Okay. If you don't (laughs) like Hamilton, if you're sick of the Hamilton discourse, here's what you can do. Twitter has this nifty little feature that lets you mute words you don't like. So Mm -hmm. go to muted words, add Hamilton, and that's your fix. You don't have to shit on something people enjoy in the year 2020 because you're a miserable piece of shit. You can say nothing, and it's free. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Saying nothing is free. Um, And then also, I, I say this while acknowledging, I understand Hamilton's problematic. I'm not talking about the people who are like hey, maybe we shouldn't glorify the Founding Fathers. Blah, blah, blah. I, I get all of that criticism. I'm talking about the people who are like, uh, why are people talking about something they enjoy? It's 2020. If you can find joy anywhere and you're not hurting anybody, seize it. Enjoy it. Don't let anybody bring you down.
1: You know what I do? You know what I do to get around this? I just talk generally about how I hate all musicals. <laughs> And it just, I don't, you know, it, you know, it doesn't, it gets around that. I don't get caught up in the discourse. I just talk about how all musicals are bad and it's fine.
0: Do you remember the last musical you saw?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I've never been to one live. No, it's like, I mean, I went to an opera. Eric, how uh, do you know
0: you hate it if you've never been to one?
1: I've watched them on screen. No, it's screen. different
0: if you're there in person. I don't believe it. It is. You have to at least try to see something before you can say you don't like it.
1: Well, maybe they shouldn't write such corny songs then. OK, you know, maybe they should learn how to write a decent song first.
0: I will say for all of like uh, the cheese of Hamilton and I understand like, you know, Lin-Manuel, he can be a lot. I, I will say having seen it in person was one of the coolest experiences ever. And the energy of that room was insane.
1: Hey, I'm sure like because that was like an event. That's like that was oh, like a yeah. moment that was that was like a cultural moment in time.
0: The original you know? cast that run was I mean Just electrifying like it was it was so cool. And again, I I had cheap seats. I was back row, baby, because that was, you know, (laughs) unless you're rich or one of the cast members puts you on a list. That's the only way that you can see Hamilton uh, if you're lucky enough to even be able to do that. Um, But yeah, the whole time I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because I couldn't believe just how cool it was and how happy everyone was to be there and I think it's important to remember that because when uh, once you're overexposed to anything it becomes like very eye rolly but I think it's important to remember how huge that moment was and I'm really happy that now uh, more people get to see it who didn't have access to uh, the the actual live performance itself
1: yeah I know I think it's a good thing I, I will I've shifted my rhetoric over the years (laughs) to where i like i i've gotten a lot better and i think i've mastered it of being able to say i don't like stuff
0: which is fine
1: but i don't need to be like and you shouldn't like it either or you're stupid for liking
0: it or stop talking about the fact that you like it which seems so weird to me because like listen people talk about shit i don't like all the time i never got into star trek okay sorry everybody i never got into it never got into it
1: this is over
0: (laughs) this this, this, (laughs) This interview is over over. (laughs) uh but yeah when i see people enjoying it i never have that urge to like shit on it that seems so weird to me i'm like they enjoy this thing why wouldn't i just let them enjoy it
1: i yeah i think like um funny i was just having this conversation on my podcast um i think for me it was a lot of like you know if like a lot of that nerdum like right. war battle stuff, I think could just comes from a lot of like, it's people who need, it's people who need other people to know that they're right. Mm-hmm. And so the way you do that is by telling them that they're wrong if they don't agree with you. So it's like, you know, and especially if it's something you're passionate about, like mine was music. And I was always like, Hey, look, I have better taste in music than everyone and so if you don't agree it's because you're stupid and you're wrong and so <laughs> you know and reasonable. so right yeah it's like you know it, it's it, and it seemed obvious at the time it's like yes obviously i have the best taste in music because i listen to all this music and it's all great so obviously this is all the right music and so you know if, if people didn't agree it would be like wow yeah, you know, okay you've attacked me personally as a person um and so, but you have to just get over that and just be like, look, people can enjoy what they enjoy. You don't have to like it. You can talk about the fact that you don't like it, but just don't shit on other people for liking it. You know, just to be like, Hey, I don't like this. That's fine. You can let that out. I, I don't have a problem with people doing that, but you don't have to direct it at other people. You don't yeah, have to per-
0: personal preferences spiritual. or personal yeah. preferences. Everything's right. subjective. It's cool. If you don't like something, you have the right to say you don't like something, but it's just, it's weird to me when you, and I'm talking about men, men seem to have this compulsive need to shit on other people when they're happy. And I think if you find yourself in that situation, it's probably cause you're unhappy and maybe you just need to turn inward and, and, Ask yourself, like, why am I so angry? Why am I so unhappy that I feel I need to steal other people's joy? Right. Yeah. And on that note, everyone. Oh, yes. One
1: quick rec. Speaking yes. of things that oh, are. I'm good. so
0: sorry. I forgot. Eric, do you have recommendations? <laughs>
1: no, it's fine. I never have any, but I that's have. That's why I
0: forgot to ask. I'm like, if you recommend Law & Order for the 18th no, million I time. Won't I won't go ahead. do it.
1: Or House. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, they just read they just uh rebooted unsolved mysteries.
0: Oh my god. Great it's recommendation. So
1: good. It's so good. What oh, is it? So
0: what network is it on?
1: So it's uh, as far as I know Netflix original. <gasps> uh, uh, and it is so good. They they tweaked it. So I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but they did it very well. So obviously there's no Robert Stack cuz Robert Stack is dead. God rest his soul. <laughs> Um, Imagine
0: hologram, <laughs> <laughs> hologram.
1: <laughs> I wish they had done hologram Robert Stack. That, that would have been cool. so good.
0: Oh my God, oh.
1: That would have been so good. Yeah. Um, but they. So the old show. I used to obsessively watch the old show when I was younger, and uh, probably not a great idea as, as an elementary school child to obsessively watch Unsolved Mysteries. But oh, I did uh, it too. Yeah, but the, so the old show would be like shorter vignettes, usually like five to seven minutes or something, of, uh, and they would cram in you know, like three or four stories. The new show is one hour long episode about one mystery. And oh. they do an incredible job of like the, the camera work, the way they put it together, the editing, the way they like piece it in and, and like keep the story going throughout a whole hour. Because it's an interesting concept where it's like the whole point of the show is that we are not going to find out what happened at the end of this. And they're doing it for an hour and right. they got to keep it going. So they tell all these different narratives of people that were involved and like they, you know, space out where, you know, the timeline of how they find evidence and stuff like that. So it's very, very interesting. Very, very well done. Highly, highly recommend.
0: Great recommendation. I already added it to my to watch list. Uh, guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. Okay, let's start the bad news section. Since we it is July fourth, we talked about how neither Eric nor I have interesting July fourth plans. Uh, I wanted to talk about Trump's dumb little rally in front of Mount Rushmore, where he gave a very, if you can believe it, divisive speech, in which he talked about. He sort of uh, portrayed America as this battleground between what he described as the new far left fascism. If you mm-hmm. want to pause to try to unpack that right. in any kind of logical way in your head, far left fascism. OK, where the far left fascists, according to Trump, are trying to destroy our national history, blow up monuments and statues and burn textbooks and basically um, erase our our history.
1: Yeah, it's somebody made this uh, joke on Twitter and uh, it's not even a joke, but somebody made this point on Twitter and I forget who, unfortunately, but there's just like nobody nobody in the world loves statues as much as this guy. <laughs> That is all he talks about now is fucking statues.
0: Do you think if even the founders came back and they saw how much Trump loved their statues, they would be like, you're fucking weird, dude. (laughs) It's like, bro, you're weird, bro. (laughs) Bro, you don't even know us like that. okay? (laughs) it's
1: just a statue, dude. Just chill, (laughs) all right? Chill out. yeah, he announced like some national forest of statues that he's gonna build, which includes forest a statue. Of
0: statues.
1: I think that's what it's called—a garden, a garden of statues, <laughs> the national forest garden. Forest of, of statues
0: is the weirdest mental <laughs> image. <laughs> I think it's—I
1: think it, it's supposed to have like twenty or thirty statues in it or something, and oh one my of them. God. If you didn't read this. One of them, check this out. It's all, you know, past presidents, of course, are going to build under Reagan because everybody fucking loves Reagan. Uh, uh, they're going to build all these past presidents. One of them is Antonin Scalia.
0: I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Like, what?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean... So I I wanted to talk about it because obviously it's really dangerous when the president uses heightened rhetoric like this because, uh, spoiler alert, there's no such thing as far left fascism in the United States. We do have a fascist president and we have a problem with far right fascism in this country. Just mixed up. He probably he, he's probably just confused. He meant yeah. to uh, admit he's a fascist in front of everyone, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he just got a little turned around. Um, so obviously that that is newsworthy in itself. But I also wanted to just talk about the fact that he keeps holding these fucking rallies in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the U.S. just surpassed 53,000 new cases of COVID, and we had this testimony by Dr. Fauci in which he was like, "Hey guys." It's very likely we will get to a place where we have 100,000, 100,000 new cases every day, right? uh, which is just mind boggling to think about. But this asshole, meaning Trump, is out there holding rallies in front of crowds. Many of them aren't wearing a mask, and it's just fucking infuriating.
1: Yeah, this is my big problem. I think I think I I don't necessarily at a base level have a problem with them holding an outdoor rally. Cuz I think if, if we make rules, I mean rules need to apply to everyone. So if you're going to say yes, you can have an outdoor protest, then other people can have an outdoor rally. But you got to be the protest everybody for the most part as far as I could tell wore masks. Yep. They were safe. If you're going to have an outdoor rally, you got to be like, everybody wears a mask. You don't get in. Everybody stands six feet. I mean, you got to do it. Like you got to like you got to and be upfront about it. He didn't wear a mask. You're like, you know, I'm sure pretty sure none of us supports that for mask. I mean, it's like if you're going to do it, you got to do it. And you got to be smart about it. And you got to be the, for- the leader on this stuff.
0: Well, you um, could if- even maybe claim that. I mean, you can't claim ignorance, right? Because this administration knows the science. But after Tulsa, the Tulsa rally, eight Trump staffers tested positive for coronavirus. Two Secret Service agents tested positive for it. So even if, say, pre-Tulsa, they didn't know what was up, post-Tulsa, they certainly did. And they keep fucking doing it.
1: Right. Because they, you know, it's this weird thing where people are just like, Oh, wearing the mask is a political statement. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to wear the mask because then it's like giving in to, I guess, science. I don't know. I don't know what they're rebelling against. But it's just like it's one of those it's like a very like fourth grade, like. It doesn't matter what you tell me I'm not going to do it even it's if it's It's truly good. It,
0: it goes back to that logic of just anything to own the libs. Right. Even if I'm putting my life on the line, I'm owning the libs and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, there was, well, which which it, is the definition of a cultural war, right? They always right. Ac- accuse the left of being uh, you know, uh, at war with, with the culture, with the country, but it's like, you're the ones who are so consumed with your hatred of the left that you are willing to, yes, reject science and say, I will go out without a mask, very likely putting my life in jeopardy.
1: Well, there was, I mean, the story just came out yesterday that, um, Donald Trump Jr.'s yeah. girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, has uh, COVID now. They went and they to were... this
0: crowded fucking party in the Hamptons. There's photos of it. You know who was there? Ramona Singer from oh Real Housewives. Okay, Ramona, we see you, Trump supporter. Um, she was the there.
1: Story, the story I read specifically referred to it as a no-mask party.
0: Yeah, I think it was one of those things where they <laughs> thought it was fucking funny, and they're like, oh, liberals, ha, ha, ha. Surprise, surprise. Surprise. They're now testing positive for COVID. Yeah. Including Don jr's girlfriend. Um, but yeah, it going back to the protest thing, I obviously can't speak for every protest, but I'll just say the ones I've been to protesters, very conscientious of what's happening. Everyone has on a mask. Some people are also wearing gloves. There are volunteers there with giant things of hand sanitizer that they'll give you a couple of pumps of hand sanitizer when you walk by. Um, I mean, in in addition to handing out like food and water and all of that stuff, but being so careful, like when we're standing by each other, people are giving each other space, you know, like, as careful as we can be and then you see that contrasted with like the tulsa rally or you know the the arizona megachurch that pence went to where they had a 200 person choir singing without masks it's like what do you think is going to happen
1: right yeah and it's like the other side is like 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 we were saying like specifically not wearing masks you know just to do it just to 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 not wear the mask um, yeah, and I read and and I mean, the results are getting, you know, born out from that where it's like they're showing they've been able to show that there wasn't any significant spikes uh, following the protests. Um, in fact, I was just reading a study earlier, uh, where they were, so basically they were mapping, new cases so they were you know plotting where the spikes in cases were and then they were basically testing a bunch of different data points to see if they could find any sort of correlations with the spikes and the the most uh, uh correlative uh one they found was uh receipt activity at restaurants uh credit card activity at restaurants so when that spiked a little bit later, you get a spike in cases. So it's like you know that's like the the biggest one they've been able to, to correlate is the spike in people going out to bars, going to restaurants. Right. You know that causes
0: the spike. Right. Yeah. I mean that makes sense, right? Any any sort of transactional ex- experience where we're handing things back and forth. That's why like scientists have started to say. You know, if you go out and say you're at a park or at a protest, that might not be the worst thing. Um, Obviously, the only 100% surefire way not to expose yourself is to just stay home. But if you're going to go out, actually being outside, as long as you're not, you know, shoulder to shoulder is okay. But as you said, the high risk is like you're in a bar, you're in a restaurant and you're handing things back and forth and you're breathing the same air.
1: Right. And, and there's you're sitting there in a static position for a long time. A lot of people from from photos I've seen, this is an anecdotal, but from photos I've seen probably are wearing masks at the restaurant when they would sit down at their table to take the masks off.
0: Yeah. 100% yeah you know, I mean I, like, I haven't gone inside but I've, I've definitely done outdoor dining it's the first thing we do we sit down we take off because like how are you going to drink how are you going to like right. it's hard to breathe I mean it was 90 degrees here yesterday and very humid so like you can't sit there with a mask on you know
1: right right um, yeah. so I mean so all that's of course going to lead to these spikes I also wanted to say like the Mount Rushmore thing is so funny to me because this has been like their big like Oh well if you tear down all the statues, what's next? Oh, they're gonna take down the George Washington statues and then what's after that? Oh, they're gonna come from Mount Rushmore. And I, I remember when they were having the rally just thinking like who literally who gives a shit if they truly,
0: won? how does your life change if <laughs> like, tomorrow they blow up Mount Rushmore? Literally, how does, how does it affect you in any way?
1: it's it's i mean first off it's so disingenuous none of these people give a shit about rush but
0: no they absolutely again it all goes back to owning the libs where it's like if they blew up mount rushmore it wouldn't affect them in any way but this is about going to war with liberals
1: and yeah it'd be like the actual mount rushmore it's literally just a tourist trap yeah. the people that live there are like it's fucking sucks <laughs> like <laughs> like it's you know it's just a fucking tourist trap that's all it is and so and i also fun fact i learned this is a, a special treat for all my southern uh, fans out there um the guy who did mount rushmore is the same guy that did the fucking stone mountain uh monument in uh georgia
0: oh okay
1: uh, are you familiar with stone mountain
0: yes i am
1: yeah it's the same guy the same okay. fucking dude in both of those
0: <laughs> okay little factoid for you uh, monument heads out there
1: all you mind man, heads that guy real piece of shit <laughs> That guy, <laughs> real piece
0: of shit so mm-hmm. uh so i really struggled about whether this should go in the good news section or the bad news section i'm putting in the bad news section uh, for reasons you'll see but did you see the photo of the three denver officers joking about uh where they killed elijah mcclain
1: I did not look at the photo.
0: Okay. So I avoided
1: looking at the photo. Uh, I know the story, but I did not look at the photo.
0: Yeah. The photo is the, the three of these assholes um, grinning. Uh, The officers are Jason Rosenblatt, Erica Marrero and Kyle uh, Dittrich, who uh, took a selfie. They went back to the location of where they, uh, I think they were at the location of where they killed Elijah McClain and it's the three of them grinning as they reenact the chokehold that they used to kill him. Ha 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 ha. They post this, uh, and they were fired for it, which is good. Uh, obviously also there needs to be criminal charges and the three of these fucking assholes need to go to jail. As long as we have jails, these are the type of people who should be in jail. Yeah. Um, And, you know, not to say I am anti-abolition or anything like that, but if we if we choose as a society to have prisons, these are the type of people who should be in these prisons. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I but ultimately I decided to put it in the bad news section because it's horrific that they did this. And also. Once again, illustrative of the fact that it's not a few bad apples. At this point, we should flip it to say maybe there's a few good apples and they should get new jobs.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, it's just it just illustrates like the point that everyone's been making, which is like this is not a. uh, I mean, I guess you can only really apply it to this case because it's these specific people, but I think it's applicable to a lot of people, a lot of cops where it's like this. All these instances are not like a heat of the moment battle where a cop is fighting for their life. These people were happy about what they did. Yep. They enjoyed it. They were
0: proud. They were proud. They took a photo of it.
1: Yeah. Also super underrated. I'm glad this isn't the bad news. So I can talk about this. Uh, super underrated part of the story. They injected Elijah with ketamine during the struggle.
0: To to subdue him, which is just fucking crazy.
1: I had no clue cops were allowed or doing that. I did not know that was a thing that they could mm. do. Is is literally take a syringe and inject people with ketamine. I and mean, that
0: express surprise when his heart stops. It's like you right. injected a man with a drug. You know nothing about his history, like his his, his health or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, but how the could fuck you did you think go- was going to happen?
1: Yeah, how can they do that? You have no idea how they're going to react to those drugs.
0: Man, like that... if, if you haven't like read about the Elijah McClain story and his last words, it is so fucking heartbreaking. And this story is like infuriating. And this photo was just like an extra layer where I'm like, you are fucking monsters.
1: Yeah, they are glad about what they did because... You know, this is something I, I try to tell people about, but it's like, you know, I try to explain. It's like, the thing that people have to understand is that when, like, people like to believe that cops, and I, not all people believe this, but I mean, like, the, the, the premise of a police force, the premise of the cops is that these are people from your community that take on the responsibility of, of protecting the community and all this stuff. We have to understand is that what happens in these situations? That is that organizations and bureaucracies and things like this, they become their own living organism, and they have their own self interests. They're not here to protect the community. They're only here to protect their own interests. Um, that's why cops always say like they're allowed to kill people. I mean, it's, it's written in the law, but I mean, it's like why a cop can just say, "Well, I feared for my life, so it was okay to kill this person."
0: right um although did and, you hear that denver apparently uh, or colorado did do away with qualified immunity
1: oh that that i mean i did not hear that that's great if they did i mean they that there's got to be i mean if you're not going to abolish the police that's got to be the first thing to go I, we have rules in society i mean i don't I, I, i'm not advocating for them or even saying that they're good but we already have a system of law about like what citizen what you're allowed to do when you fear for your life and what times it's appropriate and it doesn't get applied correctly a lot George Zimmerman. But you know, we- there's no reason a cop should have any extra privileges over that. You can't just say I feared for my life and just get off the hook for that. You know, I a hundred percent agree that that
0: that shouldn't exist anywhere. Yeah. Colorado did pass uh, a law against qualified immunity, which is great. Uh, But to your point, it shouldn't exist anywhere. It's it's fucking crazy that cops are allowed to basically get away with murder because of qualified immunity.
1: Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And it's just and I I think we talked about this last time on the show, but stop fucking calling nine one one because you think somebody looks suspicious.
0: Ooh, well like, that's another reason I wanted to talk about this, because did you see uh, Bowen Yang tweeting about that he did improv with one of these cops?
1: Whoa, no, I did not.
0: Yeah, like they used to I think they were like either in a practice group or but anyway, the reason I wanted to talk about it was just that it really struck a nerve with me because I think we need to start thinking of the people who become police officers, chances are are our peers, you know, like we know right. these people. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, at least in my head, cops, because they're authority figures, always felt very removed from yeah. from my personal life um, right. until I started uh, doing jujitsu and a lot of police officers uh, fight. So they, right. they, you know, take boxing classes, they take jujitsu classes. And I I started meeting them more and more. And I was like, Oh, these are people who are my age. And it's actually kind of empowering because it's like, Oh, I can talk to you like a peer about stuff. And you're like a person who I know in my actual life, you know, um, not so much these days because I don't do jujitsu anymore, but, I would have conversations with them about shit like the the whole Eric Garner thing happened where a police officer murdered Eric Garner for selling Lucy cigarettes right. when I was doing jujitsu and I like had conversations with police officers who I... Fought with now a lot of them happen to be um, more left leaning and they like agreed with stuff I was saying where they're like, I agree, it's fucked. I'm horrified by what happened. I hate that it was a police officer, blah blah. So they like were already sort of on my side a little bit, right. but it was just a moment where I was like, Yeah, these are people we know in our own lives and like talk to them you know right. if you happen to know them and be like this is fucked up like you either need to say something or you need to get a new job well
1: yeah so there's definitely that aspect to it but I think also too this is why I think police abolition is so important is because my my point earlier was that it's I think it's the wrong way to go to say that all people who become police are bad people. It's not that they're bad people. It's that the organization is bad. It's broken. Are,
0: it's fundamentally broken and it can't be fixed.
1: Right. Because there are people, to your point, there are people I've known in the past over cops that you've known that you probably meet in day-to-day life. They're very cordial. They're probably very nice people, you know, in the interactions. Um, You might have gone to school with them and they were very chill and cool. What's scary about that is that they become the cops that do this stuff, yeah. Because it's the institutional factors at play that it's it's not about them. It's not about them specifically as a person. It's well, that's about that, exactly, being it.
0: and that's what I wanted to talk about, like. It's not a few bad apples. The system is bad. The right. system is rotten. If you put good apples into a rotten system, it rots the good apples. Right. So it's like you can't, it is impossible to be a moral character in a immoral system.
1: R- right, because, because you can take the nicest person in the world, and if they become a cop, what they're going to be told is, look, if you fear for your life, shoot to kill
0: exactly it's us against them and it is fully a brainwashing system where it becomes so tribal that's why like you hear cops say shit like i bleed blue you know they really see themselves as an occupying army because that's how the system conditions them to think these people are out to kill you and if you don't kill them first you don't go home to your family that's how they're trained so it's not a matter matter of reforming it's not a matter of banning a chokehold Guess what? The cho- chokehold that killed Eric Garner was already banned by the time they killed Eric Garner. You can't reform this shit.
1: Right? You can't. And he, I mean, it was banned when he did it, and he still got off because it doesn't matter that it was banned. All that mattered was that oh, uh, he was executing a lawful arrest, and so by resisting the arrest, a totally normal human <laughs> reaction. You know, even regardless of the situation, if, if a person's on top of you, um, regardless of the situation, your first instinct is to struggle. It doesn't matter. Even if you're even if you were doing something wrong and a cop's arresting you, you're you, you are conditioned as a human being to struggle against that. And okay. so, you know, it's you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't it, it wouldn't even matter if they made these reforms, because as soon as one of them gets broken, all they have to say is, well, I was executing arrest and they fought me, or I was in fear for my life because they were not just rolling over and letting me handcuff them. And then it doesn't matter what they did.
0: Right. Well, speaking of white people, or I guess just people in power thinking they're in fear for their life when they're not actually in fear for their life. I wanted to talk about this white St. Louis couple who like ran out of their mansion Uh, when a Black Lives Matter protest was passing near their home, fully armed, Uh, and you've probably seen the photos of these two fucking idiots, the McCloskeys, uh, running out of their home, brandishing weapons and aiming them at activists because, I'm sure they would claim, they were in, quote-unquote, in fear for their lives, um, right. apparently a surprise, surprise. This is not the first time they've done this, uh, court records show that they've gotten in trouble for, for brandishing their, their weapons before. Right. And I know this is beside the point, but have you seen the photos of the interior of the mansion? It's fucking weird. It looks like a museum. It doesn't look like anybody lives there, but anyway, that's beside the, the point.
1: Well, even the outside. I mean, when I first saw the pic, I, the only thing I saw at first was a picture and, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on because I and was I know,
0: like, oh. yeah, I know this shouldn't be funny, but they're both personal injury lawyers.
1: <laughs> right. Of
0: <laughs> course. It's just of course. another layer to right. it for but, me personally. Yeah. The
1: first picture I saw, I was like, why are these people standing on like outside a courthouse? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. like, like with weapons. I was like, well, how is this okay? And then somebody's like, that's her house. I'm like, that's not a house. That can't be a house
0: it just really adds insult to injury when rich people don't know how to spend their money. Right. When they spend it on like (laughs) gross, disgusting uh, houses that are just like terribly decorated. It, it wounds me a little more, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from the videos I've seen of it, I, you know, um, I, it's so strange because it's from the videos that I saw, I could be wrong. I'm open to people telling me I'm wrong. I did not see anybody try to impede on their property. No, they broke into or opened a gated community. And so their argument, I believe was, well, if you come into the gated community, you're on a property. That's not how it works. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so I, I mean, a fuck off with your gated community and your fucking palace that you live in. But you know, I, as far as I understand, the protesters were going to the mayor's house, which is in the same gated community because we live in a fucking aristocracy. Um, uh, but it's like as soon as they went into the community, they just walked outside with a fucking machine gun.
0: Like, <laughs> you know? If that's your first impulse when you just see some people of color. Right. You, uh, you need to, again, turn inward and just um, ask yourself, what's going on? What's going on, McCloskey's? Why, why are you so afraid of black people
1: yeah if you're like you know like it's just you know i get like i i, I grew up in the south i understand people's impulse i don't agree with that let me put that out there but i understand the people who are like well i gotta protect my property okay whatever don't go outside and point the guns at them
0: yeah i mean that's just you're, you're looking for a conflict at that point right um, you're the problem and then
1: they, right and then they're like people were yelling at us it's like you walked outside with guns.
0: <laughs> they <laughs> screamed, oh my God, when they saw me for some you know, reason. Like,
1: nobody, was, nobody was yelling at you before you came outside with a machine gun and pointed it at them.
0: Like, yeah, it's remarkable how people don't freak out if you don't aim guns at them. It's yeah, weird. So, it's just Guys, like on that note sorry to interrupt but we are once again over time and we got to get to our good news because that's how we end every episode guys here's your good news <laughs> And Eric, the the world is such a state that we didn't even get to the Russian uh, bounty story. But, um, you know, guys, again, we're we're not a breaking news uh, ah, show. Who ah, cares about what that? are you going to do? Uh, the Trump administration I, knew that Russia <laughs> was putting bounties on U.S. soldiers. What are you what are you going to do?
1: I will say up top of the section. I'm constantly impressed every week by your ability to find good news stories,
0: (laughs) you know, and oftentimes it's like a, a nugget of good in an otherwise bad news story. Like the following, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell has finally been arrested. Um, Ghislaine, of course, was the co-abuser along with Jeffrey Epstein, who was fined uh, young girls, oftentimes aged 14, 15 years old, for his disgusting uh, sex ring of pedophiles, including, uh, according to dossiers, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, very powerful figures, Um, who he was uh, finding young girls for them to rape. So Ghislaine was a huge part of that because she's a woman and um, oftentimes predators will find someone like a woman to approach young girls, young people in general, because women aren't perceived as being threats like men are. So Ghislaine, as evil as Jeffrey Epstein, if not more so, because I don't know, like, Personally, I'm like any woman involved in something like this. I'm just like, how could you, you know, like you're a fucking monster. Meanwhile, by the way, she was photographed going to like fundraisers against child abuse and stuff like this while she was doing this with Jeffrey Epstein. So obviously when Jeffrey Epstein was arrested, people were like, where the fuck is Ghislaine? What's happening? Why isn't she being arrested as well? She was like vacationing abroad and like people were like, what the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. So this is really interesting. The FBI finally arrests her, and it's because they're trying to figure out this mysterious financial situation that bankrolled Epstein all of these years. Because Epstein always claimed that he was, like, a financial consultant or something. He was a money manager. He ran a
1: hedge fund, yeah.
0: Yeah, money manager to billionaires. But it was not really clear who his clients were besides Leslie Wexner, the founder and chairman of Victoria's Secret parent company, L Brands. That was the only person like on the books with him. So everyone was like, question mark, question mark, question mark. Where is all of his money coming from? Now there are theories out there about like, maybe he was blackmailing people. Maybe there were like clients off the books because of like all of his shady child rape dealings that they didn't want to like be officially on the books anywhere for obvious reasons, but that's the reason they finally picked up just lane. Cause they were like, oh, we can get you on this because we for sure know something shady. And by the way, anytime the FBI actually goes so far as to arrest someone like Ghislaine, it means they have like five years of records already where they're like, we have you for sure on something. By the time they actually get the go ahead to arrest someone like her, um, they for sure have something.
1: Yes. Uh, a couple things. Uh, one, I very much appreciate your commitment to pronouncing it jizzling Maxwell. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. How
0: is it actually pronounced?
1: <laughs> I, I believe it's Ghislaine.
0: Ghislaine. Okay. I think
1: it's just Ghislaine. Um uh, but I've never you know in know my
0: life, a heard that name or right. seen it written down anywhere.
1: Please never stop. Ghislaine.
0: Miss Ghislaine.
1: Um, uh, yeah there there was a documentary that just came out about epstein on netflix called filthy rich i believe i still Um, haven't
0: watched it i heard like some people were like it is hard to watch
1: it is pretty difficult to watch it does a really good job it's a four-part miniseries it does a really good job deep diving on some of the smaller points that people kind of knew but don't get explored and um Leslie Wexner's one of them. There's almost an entire episode devoted to him because basically oh, wow. what it seems like is because basically they go through, they go through a history of, of Epstein and how he was basically constantly conning his way into jobs. So he like dropped out of college, but got a job as a math teacher and then used that. He was bad at his job. He's going to get fired, but he used that, you know, sort of leverage in the like, private school Manhattan community and through ties to these like really wealthy students, he got a job, I believe it like bear Stearns or something. Um, and became like a money guy there and was g- almost got fired multiple times for just being shitty, but constantly like talked his way into keeping his job. And then they talk about how like basically, yeah, he got hooked up with, with, uh, Leslie Wexner and the way the, I mean, I don't know, obviously none of us know this for sure, but the way the documentary makes it sound is like, basically, Leslie Wexner was old and 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 basically just gave Epstein control of all of his money. Oh wow! And it was just basically like make my financial decisions for me. So that's probably how he got started, you know, just like skimming or whatever, you know, because he's basically just controlling this billionaire's whole estate. Um, so they, I, I recommend the documentary. It is hard to watch. They go, it's not like graphic, but it is like they, it's heavy. It, a lot of it is very, very heavy. So
0: I don't know how you can talk about child rape without being heavy it's almost like a disservice if you try to clean it up too much
1: right right. it's heavy without being like
0: exploitive salacious yeah
1: Yeah, it's not yeah yeah, you know they do a really good job of keeping it to the facts they don't shy over stuff but they just don't go into like graphic detail or anything like that you know so uh it's very good but yeah when she got i mean it is I read a story last night saying that she was going to cooperate with the FBI. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's true. Nobody knows what's true. Again,
0: not to be tin hat, because we've talked a lot about the Epstein thing where I, I do legitimately believe it was uh, negligence on the part of the prison and people who are into the conspiracy theory just don't know how badly our prisons are run yeah, <laughs> like right. no uh, I I've, he had tried to die by suicide in the past you know and and obviously was really eager to check out early because he knew he was going down um, right. but
1: I've always said that I think if I think there was a small conspiracy, but it was basically a conspiracy to let him kill himself. Yeah, I, um,
0: I would buy that. I would also buy like they they paid the guards to look the other way and blah, blah, blah. It, I, yeah,
1: that, that's what I mean. Exactly. Because yeah, there's all yeah. this weird stuff where like, oh, we can't find it. All the tapes are broken. And one of the guards was sleeping at the exact moment when it happened. And it's like or both were sleeping. It's like, yeah. you know, there's all this weird stuff. I'd totally buy somebody paid him off to look the other way while I did it. Um, yeah, and I would also,
0: I, I hope they're going to treat, you know, holding uh, Gislin or whatever, however you pronounce <laughs> her name, uh, Ms. Jiz I hope they yep. actually invest in, like, guarding her in a more serious way.
1: Uh, yeah, and I hope people take it, I hope people take her her, her story uh, seriously, because it, it's not just that she was, you know, I mean, obviously it's bad enough that she it basically seems like she was basically the like the uh i don't know what to call it the recruiter uh you know for this whole operation she's a groomer
0: Uh, she's a groomer yeah
1: She's a total groomer um uh but there i mean there's stories that are coming out now that she she was actually without going into detail she was actually taking part in the abuse as well
0: yeah that would that wouldn't surprise me i mean she was around all of those parties and she's a she's a fucking disgusting predator just like epstein
1: did you see the i mean This might be the craziest photo I've ever seen in my life. You see the photo that came out of she, after she got arrested of her and Kevin Spacey sitting in the throne at Buckingham palace.
0: Oh my God. What the fuck? The
1: fuck? (laughs) Somebody posted a picture. I was like, What is happening? But you know,
0: this is why all of the QAnon shit thrives online because anytime we're like, you guys are all crazy. Then you see photos like that and it's like, no, there's actually obviously QAnon, they're fucking lunatics and I don't want to like give them (laughs) any, any credence, but there are these little secret clubs of, you know, extremely wealthy predators who all get together. They do do this shit. And like by the way, Brian Singer's one of them and this dude still has work in Hollywood. Oh yeah.
1: And there was a reason recent report that he's still doing it. Yes, uh,
0: of course he is cuz nobody fucking stops him.
1: Yeah, I mean no, it's absolutely. I, I mean, that was the the whole frustrating thing about like cuz I was I've been like sort of aware, you know, of the Epstein story for a while, you know, cuz it's just like it was back in the day it was a big thing about Clint. You know, it was a big thing to hit Bill Clinton with. of Like, oh, yeah, well, how's your friend Jeffrey Epstein? Everybody kind of knew, you know, not the scope of it, but, like, it was kind well of well-known that – of because he'd been arrested before, like, um, yeah. Epstein. So everybody knew kind of, like, what was going on, just not the scope. Uh, so it was kind of this thing of this, like, thing to always hit Bill Clinton with. But um, when all the, like, pizza gates stuff started happening, the most frustrating thing is that people – make it into these really wild things of like, Oh, there's a pizza shop in DC and in the basement is where all this is happening. And Hillary Clinton glows, goes there every week or whatever. It's like, you don't have to make any of the stuff up.
0: Well, that's what's so so dangerous about it. There is this kernel of truth, like, there's this Word document that everybody's circulating online of some of the names that were on the actual dossier, but then people have added other names, like Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. So now Chrissy Teigen has to go on Twitter, and she's like, hey, you fucking assholes, I'm not a monster, and somebody just put my name on this list. So there's all of this nefarious stuff out there where it's like you have the actual names like Stephen Hawking, Matt Groening, you know uh Bill Bill Clinton the real names on the dossier added with other celebrity names that the right just happens to not like like Chrissy Teigen poor Chrissy Teigen has to be like I'm not a fucking child rapist
1: right the real story is so bad i mean the real story is bad enough it that's should be that's the thing
0: but now the right is using it as like a weapon where it's like right let's just report on what the actual truth was, which the truth is bad enough. The truth is actually wild, which is yeah. there is a secret club of rich people who like had an island where they were raping kids. Like, isn't that yeah. crazy enough for you?
1: And it's not like, it's not like any of us are like protecting Bill Clinton. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> Fuck Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton should go to jail with the rest of them. He's a fucking predator.
1: Yeah. Um, but you
0: anyway, you go, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. Oh, uh, did you see Dershowitz's? tweet no. that came out where he was like he was like uh i want to make it very clear uh i never I, I forget what the story was but there was some story I, I obviously everyone knows he went to the island but i think there was a story that he like took his wife to the island and it was like i want to be very clear oh my god i, took I my, did i I took my wife and my daughter, to the Island, everything was chill. We, nothing happened we didn't know anything was going on. It was just a business meeting. Okay. Why don't you chill out? I just took my wife and my daughter to little St. James Island and you know, we had a nice business lunch and then we left. Okay. So all you weirdos just chill out. And everyone's like, what? You brought your daughter into it too. Yeah. It was basically
0: (laughs) like him being like, don't worry guys. I'm way grosser than you thought I was. I brought my daughter too. (laughs) Um, So also in good news, uh, believe it or not, that was a good news story. I do think it's a good news story that she was arrested, too. Yeah, Um, it's very good that she was arrested. So the Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana abortion law that opponents say would have closed all but one abortion clinic in the state and had lasting repercussions for reproductive rights across the country. Um, this was obviously very good news, but I will say again, I, some people seem surprised anytime there's a five, four decision like this, because, you know, Trump appointed a lot of conservative judges to the court. And it's like, why is this happening? Have these judges suddenly like seen the light and they're like, my God, we must protect abortion. No, usually what happens is the Trump administration is so fucking inept that Even when they try to present their case to the courts, they have fucked something up where the courts are just like, we can't actually do this because you are so inept. You have to come back with an actually valid case and then maybe we'll we'll agree with you.
1: Right. Well, in this specific case, from what I could tell, what happened was so there was a case similar similar to this like four or five years ago. Um, and John Roberts is actually voted the other way. It was an mm-hmm. extremely similar case, um, in a different state. And so John Roberts actually voted, uh, the opposite way. But then in this case, basically you had this, you have this like, you know, split usually four, four of like hardliners on either side. Um, and in this case, I think what happened was he voted with the, majo- uh, he voted with the majority cause he was like, look, I voted the other way the last time, but, that lost. And so I'm going to, I have to go with what's on record already, you know? Right. So he, I have to, he's I, all
0: about precedent. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. So he's like, yeah. look, I disagreed with this last time, but that went through. So now I have to, you know, I have to go with what's already on the, book. I have to go with, right. um, they call it like stare decisis or whatever, but it's like, I have, I, you know, I'm going to go with what what already happened because I, you know, we, we already had this case, And it went one way. So I'm going to go that way because that's what already happened, Um,
0: which is somewhat encouraging because it's almost like he'll just be stuck in that loop now because it's like you keep setting precedents, So anytime you send it back to him, he'll be like, well, we did this last time.
1: Right. I Uh, I do want to make an important point about this case. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say for any any conservatives that are listening to the show, there's (laughs) not any. Uh, I mean, if,
0: listen, if you are a conservative who listens to the show, God I'm, bless you. I'm intrigued and I want to hear from you. Hashtag light, trees and pod. What up?
1: Tell us what's up. What up? God love you. Wow. Yeah. Um, But I think it's important for people if you find yourself in an argument with a conservative or you're working on these types of issues, because the case is all about. States trying to impose regulations on abortion clinics, and the big one they always use is because. It, an abortion clinic is a—it's its own individual surgery clinic, and there's a lot of these. I mean, any sort of plastic surgery office or something like that is going to be one of these. Like, it's an independent surgery clinic, and so typically, what they try to do is they say, okay, well, you can operate, but your doctors have to have admitting privileges to right. local hospitals within 30, within, I see it's usually like 30 miles or something, but you have to have whatever the closest span of hospitals is. You have to have admitting privileges to the local hospitals because if something goes wrong, you need to be able to get your, your patient to any a, a hospital, like a proper bigger hospital.
0: Yeah. Which sounds reasonable on its face until you actually learn that it's just a way to, put an obstacle up because it, the chances that you would need to take somebody to a hospital, first of all, are incredibly slim, but then they even add extra stuff. Like the corridor of the hospital has to be a certain width, you know, like it, it's like very minute details because they they basically just want to shut down abortion clinics.
1: Well, and the thing about the admitting privileges, my ultimate point is that it's not like, it's not like licensure on, 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 on in other types of fields where, you know, the other fields like if you're a hairstylist, you have to have a, a, a you know, a license to to cut hair. The way you do that is you go pass the test. And if you pat if you pass the test with certain marks, the state grants you a license. Admitting privileges is just you going to a hospital and trying to work out admitting privileges. If it doesn't matter how good you are or how safe your practice is. If if you're in Louisiana and all the neighboring hospitals decide they don't like abortion, they can just revoke your admitting privileges. It's not based on anything. Right. It, it, it's not an objective measure. So you can effectively make abortion illegal if you just say, well, if you if you do abortions, you have to have a, admitting privileges. And then all the hospitals just go, well, we're not going to give them admitting privileges.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. They, they tried this with – uh, I remember – God, this was a long time ago. This would have been like probably like late 2000s, 2000, like 2006, 2008 or something like that. They tried this with a an abortion doctor in Mississippi who was like basically because of threats to his life, he didn't live in Mississippi. He was flying right. in every day to work at the one abortion clinic in Mississippi. And so they tried crazy. to... Yeah, and he was like literally like, I can't live here. Like, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, like, I have to live somewhere else. So he'd literally fly in every day. And... Um, they tried it because, and, and then all the hospitals were doing that. They're like, well, you don't live in the state, so we can't give you admitting privileges. And it's like. I mean,
0: just hearing something like that, I this is kind of a tangent, but how is that not considered terrorism? You know, the fact that this man right. can't live in the state where he works because he's yeah, so okay. afraid. I'm sure of his own personal safety, but also the safety yeah. of, like, his family, his staff, right. the the people who are coming to the clinic, you know, like everyone's lives are in jeopardy. How is that yeah. not considered a serious act of terrorism?
1: Yeah, I don't I mean I I have, I have no idea. Um but yeah, I mean basically it's just like because this is the thing that this is like a trick that conservatives always pull and it's just it's just so frustrating to listen to all the time and and some people don't know how to deal with it cuz it's just like Well, it's, you know, it makes sense. Like, oh, if you're a doctor, you should be able to get admitting privileges in a hospital. And it's like, that's not how it works. You don't just apply and get in. The the hospital gets to decide for whatever reason they decide to. And so, yeah, if you're in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and they impose these types of regulations, all the hospitals just have to say, no, we're not going to give you admitting privileges. And then abortion is effectively outlawed, even though it's legal. Even though it's legal, it's basically outlawed.
0: Right. Uh, and guys, it's another super long episode, but one more story. I shouldn't oh, put yes. this with uh predator news, but <laughs> nine women who were abused by Harvey Weinstein have been awarded a nearly $19 million settlement as part of a class action lawsuit. Obviously no amount of money ever, uh, can reverse the damage done by a predator, but like Harvey Weinstein, but It is very satisfying to see him financially ruined over and over and over again. Um, So and I, I of course, just want to shout out the bravery of any of the victims who have come forward publicly said what happened to them. So. Um, These are women who experienced a hostile work environment, sexual harassment, and gender-based discrimination while working at the Weinstein Company, as well as sexual abuse by Harvey Weinstein. So, uh, great news anytime these predators are rounded up and punished.
1: I'm going to start a spinoff podcast called (laughs) Predator News.
0: I mean, truly, we we could talk an hour about predators. Easily. Easily.
1: I could do that in my sleep. Um, it is good. I think. Uh, is this a? Is this? I read the story, but it it was a while ago. Is this a settlement from the criminal trial?
0: That I don't know, because there are various uh lawsuits at this point. This was the class action. Okay. So I don't know if it's separate.
1: Okay. Um, oh, yeah, you know what?
0: here we go. The, the payments are meant to settle two separate lawsuits. One filed by the attorney general in February of 2018 against Weinstein, Bob Weinstein and the Weinstein company separate suit filed in November of 2017 on behalf of a group of women who were sexually harassed and assaulted by Weinstein. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, this happens a lot with Weinstein, which is that like he gets caught for shit and then he just pays out one. I mean, not just Weinstein yeah. it happens with everyone rich. Um, but the point that comes up a lot, and I think it's a valid point, and I think it's something to keep in mind, is that, like, you know, honestly, a lot of times these things are just not going to end with any sort of criminal, you know, punishment. Because it's just so hard, like, you know, it, our, you know, the way our system is, it's just like, I mean, basically, unless it's on tape, it's incredibly hard to prove.
0: Well, especially it's when a, you're talking about, like, Weinstein or, like, Bill Cosby, like, this right. could get dragged out until they die, basically. Right.
1: So a lot of victims take settlements and I, like I said, I don't know hundred percent of this is what's happening here. I don't know how this f- plays into all the various lawsuits and criminal trials or whatever of Weinstein, but this does happen a lot where you, somebody powerful gets brought up on charges and then they settle and then they go free. And a lot of people are upset about that, but I think, you know, it's always important to keep the victims in mind. Um, and remember that, like a lot of times, honestly, this is just never going to, it's never going to end up with a conviction that sucks. But for a lot of people, you know, the burden of proof is so high. That's so hard to get a conviction. So a lot of times this is the most restitution that can be done for these people. And it's good. It's good that they get paid and that they can rebuild their life.
0: Yeah, and again, you, you don't want to have to ask the victims to devote the rest of their lives to this, too. Right. Like, yeah. ultimately, the goal is that they can move on and start to heal or, or yeah. try to start to heal and right. let it be over for them and give them his money so they can try to rebuild their lives, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Ultimately, it has to be, like, what do you want to the victims? Right. Like, what? obviously, the damage can never be reversed, but what would give you some measure of peace from all of this and if that's 19 million dollars let's get you 19 million dollars you know
1: yeah you got to do what you can um and deal with the shitty system that we have
0: exactly uh guys please follow eric on twitter e-r-e-k underscore smith uh listen to his podcast um do you want to plug that real quick sure
1: well you can listen to my new co- podcast predator news
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh,
1: no uh i uh, maybe i'll do it um i, I truly <laughs> could do that i truly could do that show so fun. let easily. me just uh, say
0: that show probably should exist you should not be the host of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, i'll just you know say what? as your friend <laughs> don't do it <laughs> don't do it
1: <laughs> you know what fair um uh, <laughs> No, I have a podcast called Based on a True Story, B-A-S-S-E-D, just to annoy Allison.
0: I Um, hate puns so much. uh, It's called
1: Based on a True Story, and I interview bass players because I'm a bass player. It's uh, something I've done since I was a teenager. I love it so much, and I think bass players don't get enough uh, credit and attention. and interviews. So I thought it would be fun to start interviewing them. So I I release episodes usually weekly um, where I just... uh, you know, dive deep, uh, interview bass players. We talk nerdy stuff, but we also talk life stuff, regular people stuff. You know, you don't have to be a bass player or an expert on music or anything to listen to. Um, I want it to be for everyone. So, uh, yeah, give it yeah. a listen. You can find it on Twitter at based B A S S E D P O D. And the podcast is at anchor.fm slash
0: We love a niche podcast. We do. Yes. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay inside and cause a little trouble.